This morning's reading comes from Mark 10, commencing at verse 46. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving with his disciples, a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many of the people scolded him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Get up, he is calling you. So he threw off his cloak jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Teacher, the blind man answered, I want to see again. Go, Jesus told him, your faith has made you well. At once he was able to see and follow Jesus on the road. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I hope you're uh, enduring okay out there. We're going to um, have a look at Bartimaeus today. I've chosen that reading because we are at a stage in our church life where we're beginning to look at mission and ministry. And I think this little story's got so much to tell us. Most of the time, I suspect we just skim over it. And we put this in the category of just another miracle story by Jesus. But actually, it's uh, a lot more than that. It's a story about revelation and commitment and empowerment and it definitely tells us a lot about how we should uh, do ministry, um, what it should look like and if we allow ourselves we will learn to see along with Bartimaeus. I want to start by uh, giving you the proper context of where this fits in. So we're in chapter 10 of Mark um, and it's important to understand um, what else has been happening in Mark's gospel. So we've had teaching by Jesus about the importance of entering the kingdom of heaven like a child. Um, We had that sort of tragic encounter, really, between Jesus and the rich man, um, who, whilst he's led a fairly righteous life, goes away sad. He can't follow Jesus because he's got um, too much wealth and he's too attached to it. And we've also had some time with Jesus explaining what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, um, which the disciples found difficult to accept. Um, And we've had uh, James and John uh, with a kind of a weird request, really, about um, who was going to sit on the left and the right of Jesus in heaven. And Jesus explaining that they didn't really understand what they were asking for. And then we come to Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is really a counterpoint to uh, stuff that's been happening earlier in chapter 10. Bartimaeus does get it. Bartimaeus can enter the kingdom of heaven with childlike trust and dependence, and he's not attached to his possessions, and he understands the cost of discipleship, and he can um, affirm with confidence that Jesus is the Messiah. So Bartimaeus, in a way, counters all the uh, hesitancy and misunderstanding and insecurity expressed by others in chapter 10. Um, Well, let's begin to unpack the story. So 
uh, Jesus and the disciples and a large crowd have been um, down in Jericho. And, uh, you know, Jericho is a very interesting place. It's about 25 k's um, downhill from Jerusalem. Uh, apparently, it's the oldest continuously inhabited city on earth. And um, they're about to leave Jerusalem and head back to Jerusalem where momentous things are going to happen. Uh, when they get back to Jerusalem, this time it begins with um, uh, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Um, Jerusalem is the city of peace. It's the place where prophetically God is going to usher in his uh, kingdom and Jesus has explained that he's going to be put to death there. So with every step along the way, they are moving closer and closer to these really momentous events. But just as they leave Jericho, they encounter a blind man sitting by the road, begging. Now, it's important that we understand the context for this man. His life is completely passive. He's sitting down. He is literally on the margins of life. He's dependent for his survival on the charity of others. And he's located just outside Jerusalem, uh, Jericho, and he makes his um, very secure living, it's probably more a matter of day-to-day survival, um, from the charity of others. There was no system of social security in those days. But I want to think a little bit more deeply about um, the position of Bartimaeus. This blind man is a Jew, And we know that he's a Jew because, well, first of all, Jericho is a Jewish city, but Bartimaeus clearly understands the uh, covenant and the prophecies concerning David. Um, Jews were called to be a holy people. Disability was understood as evidence of your sin or your parents' sin. So his life is therefore one of shame. His blindness is not just regarded as misfortune, it is regarded as judgment upon him and it cuts to the core of his identity as a son of Israel. Interestingly, Bartimaeus um, has been given a name in this story. Um, well, he has a name. All, uh, most of the people that Jesus heals don't have a name. They are generic. A man with an evil spirit, a woman who's... Uh, bleeding, there's um, um, a girl near death, there's um, you know, lots and lots of people in different situations and we never actually know who they are. But this time, the person who Jesus heals, almost uniquely, um, has a name. And it's interesting to, to reflect on why that is the case. And the most plausible reason is that this man went on to have some significant role in the early church. So when it came time for Mark to actually write up his gospel, he knew um, Bartimaeus, or at least he, he knew him by reputation at the very least. The word Bar means son, and Timaeus, most scholars think that Timaeus means honour. Um, so uh, literally, Bartimaeus is the son of honour. And um, Uh, So we come to a story about an encounter between Jesus, the son of God, and Bartimaeus, the son of honour. And we will see um, shortly just how honourable Bartimaeus really is. When Bartimaeus hears that it is Jesus, um, the Nazarene, who's passing by, he begins to shout. Now, Bartimaeus must have some prior knowledge of who Jesus is. Um, But it's not just knowledge of Jesus as a healer 
or knowledge of Jesus as a preacher, we know this because of what he says. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the son of David title is very telling. The son of David um, uh, name is an expression for the Messiah. It's the name of the Messiah. And when Bartimaeus calls out son of David, he is identifying Jesus as the great king, the promised king, um, the one who the prophets foretold would come and inaugurate a kingdom without end. And no one else in Mark's gospel has made a public declaration that Jesus is the Messiah until right now. Peter did once recognise that Jesus was the Messiah. That was in a private conversation, but it didn't really go very well for him. Um, Peter refused to accept the cost um, involved for Jesus in being the Messiah. And... um, There are only three verses, actually, that separate the statement that Jesus is the Messiah from the stinging reproach of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. But Bartimaeus now makes the first public declaration of Jesus as the Messiah, and he does this by calling him the son of David. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And there are two different things happening here, rebuking and silencing. Rebuking is qualitatively different from silencing. Rebuking is an attack on a person's integrity. It is a humiliating put-down of their views. And the rebuke here is multi-layered. Part of the rebuke is about the right of a blind, sinful beggar to say anything at all. In their mind, or in the mind of some of them at least, it was grossly presumptuous for a person of this kind to address Jesus at all. But I also think that many in the crowd, and perhaps some of the disciples too, are actually rebuking his theology. They didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they disparage Bartimaeus uh, from using that title, Son of David. Ironically, they seek to dishonour the son of honour who does actually recognise the truth. After the rebuke, they command him to be silent. And I just want to think about that for a minute because in this story, we we have a healing at the end, of course, but we have an anti-healing before then. Um, The crowd and the disciples are trying to make Bartimaeus, this poor blind man, mute as well. They want this embarrassment with his embarrassing opinions to disappear and so they treat him as a non-person. But Bartimaeus is someone with a very tenacious faith and someone with a lot of character and he's undeterred and he sticks with what he knows to be true. And he does that despite the growing resistance of people around him. And so the son of honour again shows just how truly honourable he is. And what does he ask? Have mercy on me, he says. I wonder what that means for someone in Bartimaeus's context. I think it could mean many things. Obviously he's blind, but he's also poverty-stricken. He's a beggar. He is someone who is regarded as sinful. He has no independent future. He lacks social acceptance, so mercy 
in his case could mean a whole bunch of different things. What does Jesus do? He stops. He stands still. He pauses. He listens. The pastoral implications of this passage are quite profound. So often in life and in ministry and even in the church, we just plough on with our plans and programs and we don't let anything distract us from them. But real leadership sometimes requires us to stop, to listen carefully, to reflect, to engage with the outside voice. And their plan was to head back to Jerusalem, but actually they needed to stop. And Jesus shows them that. And then he says, call him. Now that's a bit curious, isn't it? I mean, why doesn't Jesus just call him himself? It would be easy enough for Jesus to do. There's something important going on here. This is an action learning exercise for the disciples and also for us as the church. It is our job to call others in, especially those who are the lowly, the unlikely, the marginalised, the outsiders, the poor, the unwelcome, the unloved. It is our job given to us directly by Jesus to call them in. And we are to do that with a sense of appreciation and a sense of anticipation of what others know and can contribute. We are not the self-appointed minders of Jesus, exercising proprietorship over him, filtering out those that we think are unsuitable or who we think are unrespectable. So they call to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling to you. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but I think the mood still seems a little bit distant as far as the disciples are concerned, maybe even a little condescending. It's interesting that they say, he's calling you. Not necessarily us, he's calling you. Hey, mate, it's your lucky day. Jesus has decided to do you a favour. The truth is that no one is righteous and Jesus does all of us a favour. Bartimaeus responds immediately by throwing his cloak aside. And that's huge. Just put yourself in the shoes of Bartimaeus for one minute. The cloak is his only possession. It's the one thing that he has in life. It keeps him warm. It's his sleeping bag. It's his blanket. It's also the cloak that sits across his lap that he puts the money in um, when he's begging. The coins go in there but immediately he jumps up and throws it off. There's no hesitancy. He gives up everything in a single moment. What a contrast to the rich young man earlier in the same chapter who skulks away, sad because he owns so much. And he doesn't just get to his feet, he jumps up with great enthusiasm. This is literally a rising up and seizing his new life. He knows and believes that Jesus is the Messiah and he understands what the Son of David can do. And how does Jesus respond when Bartimaeus comes over? He responds with absolutely impeccable pastoral care. There is no assumption at all. He gives Bartimaeus full respect and dignity. Bartimaeus is a person with decision-making power over his own life what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't tell. 
He doesn't presume. He asks. The blind man says, I want to see. And of course, this comment is dripping with irony because Bartimaeus is the only person in Mark's gospel so far who has actually um, seen and publicly declared that Jesus is the Messiah. So, yeah, seeing is about sight, but more importantly, it's about understanding. And in this sense, Bartimaeus already sees, whereas just about everybody else is blind. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. He sends him off whole so that his physical sight now aligns with his understanding. His trust in Jesus has made him complete. I'm reminded here of the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, and blessed are the meek, for they'll be inheritors of the kingdom and of this earth. They certainly will. Their power, their hope, their consolation is to trust in the salvation of God because they have nothing else to trust in. In verse 52, Bartimaeus immediately received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. Just a couple of things about that verse. He doesn't go as Jesus tells him to. He stays and follows. Jesus wasn't expecting any particular response from Bartimaeus. He he has released Bartimaeus to go his own way. But Bartimaeus chooses not to go. The NIV translation um, is actually a bit pedestrian. It misses a couple of important things. Um, It's not simply that Bartimaeus follows Jesus on the road. That does not capture the sense of it, which is what the NIV says. It's that Bartimaeus follows Jesus in the way. That's the literal words that are used. Christians are people of the way. It's about learning and being fed by Jesus every day as we follow him. This is what Bartimaeus is choosing to do. He's on the way. He's left his old life life behind. He doesn't even stop to pick up his cloak. He immediately follows and takes up an entirely new life, a significant life, um, such that he is actually remembered and named in the gospel when it's written up. Do we as Christians respond to Jesus by choosing to follow him? Or do we go our own way? We are free to choose, but what do we choose? I think it's helpful to reflect on some of the key lessons to come out of this little story as we are thinking about um, uh, where we're at as a church in terms of mission and ministry. So I'm just going to draw some of the main threads together. The first one is the true faith requires courage. Um, If we're moving on as a church, we need to exercise courage and sometimes that can even be in the face of resistance. We should always be uh, sensitive to the voice of people on the margins, the voice of the outsider. Jesus commissions us directly to bring others in, not to dismiss them, to exclude them or to filter them, Those on the outside may have truly amazing contributions and knowledge. And I think our plans and programs should always be secondary to relationship. Our ministry posture is incredibly important. We need to be ready to stop, 
to listen, to ask. The dignity of people really matters. Blindness is a state of heart. It's a state of understanding. We can see and yet be blind. Following Jesus may require us to give up everything. And following Jesus is certainly a choice. We're all pilgrims on the way. And when we are alive to these things, we can become children of honour who are prepared to meet and really engage with the Son of God. Amen.